Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and today it's my pleasure to be speaking with Father Timothy Supe, pastor of St. Mary's in Westville and St. Isaac Jogues in Georgetown. He's a self-proclaimed lover of science, nature, God, and golf. We hope to be talking about all of these things today in some capacity, but mostly God, science, and golf. I mean, God, science, and nature. Whoops. And many other incredible questions that will come along with them. Father, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, you got me thinking about golf now. I, I got, <laughs> and it is a little moon, you know, it's just a golf ball. And, uh, yes, and that's absolutely and you, right. And you have to put it in orbit. Okay, that's so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so on the weekend of April 5th, 2024, you'll be leading a retreat with other science-loving religious and non-religious, viewing a total eclipse. Joining you will be Brother Guy Cosmogno, Cosmogno, Director Consomagno. Consomagno. Okay, you said it right. Okay. Director of the Vatican Observatory, holy moly, Dr. Jeffrey Cookie of Swinburne University in Australia, who played a role in observing and measuring gravitational waves that have expanded our understanding of the universe. It sounds like you'll be in good company. How'd this get put together and why? Well, thank you for having me on, on this program and talking about uh, faith and nature and science, because uh, you all co- come together. Uh, it's all part of God's creation. And what happened was uh, the Vatican Observatory Foundation in Tucson, Arizona, uh, invited priests, deacons, and religious educators to come for a workshop back in 2015. And during that time, I got to meet directly with the brother Guy. He's a Jesuit brother. And asked him about putting on a retreat for the solar eclipse of 2017. Well, he apologized that he was already booked. And so I said, well, how about the solar eclipse for 2024? And he laughed and he said, well, if I'm around. So that's how it all began is I wanted to do something with faith and science and bring them all together and and observe one of the most magnificent um, natural events you could ever have, which is a solar eclipse, total solar eclipse. And what makes that so amazing to you, the total solar eclipse? And explain for viewers or listeners that don't know what that is, what is that? You know, periodically, the, uh, the Earth, uh, as it goes around the, the sun, tilts on its angle, axis, okay? And so as we go around, we have the equinoxes, okay? Well, that also affects where the moon goes across our vision. And so twice a year, someplace on the Earth, uh, the moon goes directly in front of the sun, and casts a shadow on the earth uh, called a path of totality. Um, and, you know, depends on where it is and how long. And, and some, most of the time it's going to be at sea. And so this is a very unique opportunity to see it on land. Um, so maybe some of your listeners remember the 2017 uh, total eclipse that crossed from Oregon uh, that went across the United States through southern Illinois, Carbondale, and then out through South Carolina. So, again, this is one of the most beautiful, natural phenomena you could ever want to witness. And, again, it's very rare because you have to be within a roughly a 70-mile path of darkness. And when we say darkness, it's not totally dark, okay? But it is, it gets demonstrably darker um, because it is a shadow, okay? Mm-hmm. But you can, if you're in the shadow, look directly at the sun without any glasses, okay? But please do not look at the sun otherwise because it does, the rays do affect your retinas, mm-hmm. okay? So always wear proper protection 
And, um, but during the eclipse itself, it, it lasts about four minutes. You can look directly without any type of uh, sh- shielding or shading device. Is there any, have you ever heard some people saying that at Christ's crucifixion, when there was darkness over the, the land? There was definitely a lunar eclipse, um, uh, a red moon. Okay. In fact, St. Paul, uh, Peter talks about it on Pentecost Sunday when he gets up on, on the rooftop and he talks about how there was, everybody saw the, the moon was called the blood moon. And uh, that was a prophecy of the Old Testament. I believe the prophet Joel. Um, but there also was a, a darkness for three hours, though. Um, we don't know exact, the exact time. I think most scripture scholars would say from three to uh, from noon till three. But we don't know exactly that. But anyhow, you're right. There was a, a total eclipse during that time. But it was a miraculous one because it lasted three, three hours. Right. Understood. Hey, bottom line is it's the same moon, the same sun then that it is now. It, I always think that's fascinating. You look up at the sky and you see these stars, you see the moon, you see the sun. It is the exact same ones that all the apostles in Christ, Moses even, Abraham, that they all looked at and pondered the heavens as well. So as somebody pointed out, the water that John the Baptist used to baptize Jesus is still around. Right. That's right. That's right. So talk to me about science. What is science? The best definition I ever heard came from my scripture professor, uh, Father Francis Martin. He's passed on now. But the definition of science is science measures change. Science can't tell you why it's there. <laughs> okay. That's, a, uh, that's, the, our, that's the, called the philosophy of science. But science specifically can only measure change. And then we try to hypothesize why. So it's a very much an intellectual exercise and very objective. Okay, It isn't what I want it to be. It's just what it is. Uh, so again, science specifically measures change that we can now then hypothesize off of that uh, theoretically why. Okay. Uh-huh. Another definition that I've heard, I just heard it from a random kid one time. He said it's a study of God's creation. So sometimes I've heard people saying that the two are mutually exclusive faith in science. I, I can't understand why that would be, considering that we're just studying God's creation. And then what really seems interesting to me is that creation, everything around us, follows these laws. And laws and structures and blueprints typically come from a mind of some sort that puts those laws into place. Why isn't it just an, a nasty mess of nothingness and that doesn't make any sense? Well, St. Paul in Romans, first chapter of Romans, talks about how the natural world informs us of God's creation and God's laws. Okay, we have um, so we have the direct laws of God, okay, like the commandments, but we also have the natural law of God. And Saint Paul says specifically there, for example, um, regarding homosexual activity, that two men are not to be together, okay, or two women. And so you have this. Um, uh, the church has adopted natural law as part of our morality. Now, the scandal or, or the controversy or the, I don't know what the word would be coming up, is there seems to be a push to get away from the natural law okay, by, by churchmen. And we'll see what happens here in October with the Synod on Synodality. Hmm. What is that? Explain what, what exactly that meeting uh, will be about. Pope Francis for the last two years has been doing a worldwide uh, preparation for the October Synod of Bishops. 
and every country was to submit their own process and collate all the questions. And so Pope Francis is going to have a big meeting in Rome that's going to incorporate not just the bishops, but other lay people. For example, the Synod in Germany has been pretty putting forth, you know, homosexual marriages, women priests, other moral issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a big, this is a, the whole issue of natural law is going to be in question here. Right. On the topic of natural law, but also on the topic of, of homosexuality, I want to ask you questions because I have not sat across from a religious in this room yet, no offense to the wonderful guests that we've had, that has been brave enough to talk about that or even say the word homosexuality without saying we love and accept them like crazy. Well, my background is from the John Paul II Institute for Marriage and Family Studies. I have a license in sacred theology and Mm -hmm. um, most priests are um, either ill-formed or ill-educated in this area. So, Well, one, not too long ago, I spoke to the diocesan uh, exorcist and he spoke about how As far as signs in the world go and signs of the demonic, he says nothing is more obvious to him. And he was, uh, he had his PhD in psychology, I believe. And nothing was more obvious to him than the devil working its way into sexuality. Basically, our society, at least in the United States, celebrates sexuality in every single way except the way that God wants. And then we use names mockingly, such as Pride Month. We use the rainbow, which used to be an incredible sign of God's love. And it was a, the covenant of between him and Noah, I believe, or something. Or most, I forget what it is. I should know. Okay. But, uh, and, and many other things. Um, basically, marriage, as long as it's not the traditional form in which God asks us to do it, uh, premarital sex, uh, children, changing your, your sex, your gender, and everything. He said that is... He said it's insane to him, and it's so it's so sad because it truly is the devil at work. And it's, part, I, it's part of the demonic. Um, the devil hates the incarnation. We see this from chapter twelve, book of Revelation. Now he goes, uh, the dragon, uh, Satan goes after the child of the woman, and then he goes after the woman, and God protects her. And in chapter twelve ends, that Satan goes after the rest of her offspring. Well, who are the rest of Mary's offspring? Well, we don't have to guess because it tells us those who keep the commandments and give witness to Jesus. If you do those two, if you do those two things, Satan will be after you. And again, he hates the incarnation. He hates the flesh. And this is especially seen in abortion, you know, abortion and, and contraception, you know, freezing babies, freezing embry- embryos. Um, it cheapens life. And this is why Pope John Paul, now St. John Paul II wrote his, work on the gospel of life, but we'll see what happens in October. That's right. We can pray. We must pray. Yes. My goodness. And uh, you know what? You're talking about the freezing of embryos, but this is exactly the same stuff that people will say, typically from the left, is the science. And to be against the science is to be against progress of humanity. What do you say to that? Is that not science? Is Can science run amok when it starts to deal with the, the freezing and the killing of babies? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, is what they what they deny is the embodiment of the soul at, at creation. Okay, at conception, and so they see it only as a blob, a tissue, something being manipulated, um, monetized. Okay, so this this is really a um, like I said, a demonic uh, attack on on God's flesh, on God's creation. Mm-hmm. So science, when it's given the proper boundaries, do you think that is when it is the most pure and lovely form of science? Or what, what kind of 
parameters would you set when it comes to being Catholic and being interested in science? As long as it respects human life and the dignity of. Yeah. And I don't want to be uh, forensic here, but mm-hmm. again, science is specifically the measuring of change. Okay. Now we get away from that. We get into the philosophy of science or philosophical questions of reality, um, metaphysics. Um, but we ha- we recognize that there was a turn away from objective reality with uh, the Enlightenment, okay, about 1600. And since then, we have, we have what we call modernist. Uh, modernist is someone who has the turn to the subject, okay, usually cited as Descartes' I think, therefore I am, cogito ergo sum. And so this is going against the objective, which we, we, the church used, looks to Aristotle on this. And I've been teaching my CCD class, whenever they hear the name Aristotle, they need to clap. <laughs> because Aristotle was dealing with things here and now, not how we think we th- they should be. And this is the problem of our modern age. We become a modernist and very much a postmodern society. We're in a specifically even a post-pagan society. What does that mean? Uh, under paganism, traditionally, there were the gods, and the gods still held morality. Okay, there were you, you, you mess up, the gods would get you. Okay, well, we gotten rid of the gods. It's completely the, the self is the god, the individual is the god, uh, the individual. And that can change. It's postmodern. Um, don't hold. Don't hold what I said today tomorrow, because I might change my mind. Okay. Uh, I think I'm a male, or if I think I'm a female and you're not, <laughs> this is this is a godlike um, uh, attitude that you have. Okay. And so this is what we're up against uh, in our world. And so science, yes, can help us, but it also needs to be informed by faith. Absolutely. Absolutely, and you know what? There's a science to faith, isn't there? Wouldn't you say that you can you you can study faith? There are laws, there are rules. Well, Saint Thomas Aquinas, in one of the first questions in the Summa Theologia, talks about theology as the highest science. Okay, because you have to study it, you have to investigate it. Um, I had a professor. I was trained by the Dominicans in Washington D.C. Father, he's now Archbishop Augustine Denoya, and he would always say, "Don't cry mystery too soon." Okay. Let's think this through. Let's think this through. And that's what St. Thomas would do following St. Albert the Great okay, and Aristotle. Okay. The reason why I say St. Albert, he's the one that brought Aristotle into the church, into Latin. Yep. You know, the thing with science and faith is I hear people a lot of the time say, be, be weary of uh, the God of the gaps. I don't know exactly how to word this. When there is a mystery and you don't know why, don't be so quick to say it must be divine intervention. What do you think about that? I guess everything is, technically speaking, it, it does have God in it. It was designed by God. I guess it was able to happen because of God. But some people will pull up the example of back in the day, we used to think the epilepsy was a demonic infestation of some sort. And so we said, we don't know why the epileptic seizure is happening. Well, let's go ahead and say that that's either God punishing you or the devil inside of you. Well, in the widest sense, if you think about it that way, then everything— revolves back to original sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, original fin- a sin affects us all. It affects us right down to death. All of us are to die. And that wasn't got part of God's plan. Um, so uh, scripture tells us that death came by way of the devil. And so uh, original sin affects us all. How that is explained 
through time has changed. Somebody who may have an epileptic fit back then, they thought it was demonic. Well, in the widest sense it is, okay, because it comes by way of the devil. Uh, the good news is, and this is what we tell, uh, I say our faith informs us that God can overcome all of this and will overcome it uh, eventually in our own like resurrection. Very interesting. And before we go to the break, actually, you know what? We're going to go to the break right now. I didn't see the time. All right, everyone, we're going deep right now. We'll be right back in just one second after a quick word from our beloved sponsors. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. There's a new app. So Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free. New app, same quality programs. Help seniors remain independent. Faith in Action is a nonprofit providing transportation for people over 60 to medical appointments and grocery stores. Become a Faith in Action driver in the extended Bloomington Normal Area, 309-827-7780. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear open line. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in Bloomington Normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and I'm speaking with Father Timothy Supe. Father, we were just talking before the break about without original sin, would we live forever? We were meant to be immortal. Okay, that's part of the, the fall of Adam and Eve being kicked out of the you know, Garden of Eden. And that we, how does scripture say, uh, sweat, you know, thorns and thistles that we have to work now. And... Um, by the sweat of our brow, okay, and that was part of the part of the fall, okay. So yes, we were meant to be immortal, and this is what the good news is that we can have that immortality through Christ, okay. Mm-hmm. And now, forgive me, I'm really going to hit you with a lot of questions today. Uh, when we, I, I've heard a lot of Catholics, even the science-loving Catholics, speak about fundamentalism, meaning taking the Old Testament words exactly as they're written, as, as literal. But many say that, uh, that these are just stories to illustrate a more, um, uh, just to illustrate the general idea of what happened, namely Adam and Eve. Perhaps we did have a genetic Adam and Eve that were to, uh, beginning two organisms of some sort. I don't know. But do you say that there truly was an Adam and Eve? And forgive me if this sounds like an offensive type of question. No, no, no. I think the uh, 
this, the document that slipped in my mind, it comes from by way of Pope Pius the 11th, I believe, attorney spiritu, in which he talks about St. Thomas Aquinas. But he also talks about Adam and Eve and that we have to believe that there was a first, okay, and that God gave them the intellectual soul. Okay? Mm. This is a controversy because <laughs> I was teaching high school, Catholic high school, and everything has a soul. Okay, Even plants have a soul. But humans have an intellectual soul. Okay? Ah. We have the ability to think, and uh, the other ones respond to stimuli. So nobira meant to be eternal. Very interesting. Okay. Others respond. However, the human being thinks and ponders and prays. Yeah. I've heard Neil deGrasse Tyson say that humans can be best defined as the animal that prays. <laughs> I, I just think that's very interesting. But okay, an intellectual soul was endowed to the human being. What do you say then to people who, there, there's Catholics on both sides. Uh, we know that Charles Darwin, he was a clergyman at one point in his life prior to his formulation of, of evolution, the theory of evolution. What do you think about evolution? Is it is it at least possible to be a good standing Catholic and think that perhaps humans evolved from something less than human into human, but then at one moment were given that intellectual soul? I Pope John Paul, St. John Paul II said as much. He wrote, he wrote on this. So Okay. Yes. And what do what do you say I, about I that? I agree with it. Uh-huh. What do you <laughs> yes. believe? Del Okay. I have a pizza theory of creation. Okay. okay. So I want you to think of a type of pizza, not yet. I want you to think of a pepperoni pizza. Okay. It comes out of the oven. Pepperoni pizza has slices of pepperoni, right? Well, if you're clever enough, you can match the conclave to the convex of each piece of pepperoni and put together a whole sausage. Say that again. I'm so sorry. I missed something. Pepperoni pizza. Uh-huh. You're thinking about it being whole and baked. Yes. If you're clever, you could take off a slice of pepperoni, which has grooves, and you can match it to another pepperoni slice and do so continuously until you have a whole sausage. I see. Okay. So you could speculate at well, some time there must have been a whole sausage. Okay. However, with creation, it was done, okay? So God did create everything, and he, but he gave us this humendous, <laughs> humongous um, universe to live in. And we're finding out so much more about it, especially now with the James Webb Space Telescope. Um, so it's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. But do you think that human beings, the flesh of us, could have evolved from a less beautiful version of what we now know as human beings? Yes. Okay. Now, we how how that happened? We're not sure. We're finding out more and more about DNA, um, and there's a there's a term, and it slipped in my mind. It's a I want to say a meta DNA strand that they just kind of discovered the last several years mm-hmm. uh, that allows for changes in the biological animal to respond quickly to changes in in environment. And so, could could evolution happen rapidly? Possibly. Very interesting. And now another thing that people talk about, and I love talking about this when it comes to, yes, when it comes to- I'm holding to, up 
the solar eclipse paper. That's here. absolutely right. All right. You know what? We're going to talk a little bit about science and history then in that case. And then we're going to talk about Galileo. Galileo, who theorized, you know, that, uh, well, you tell me what he theorized and then tell me how the church responded. Um, Galileo used a new instrument called a telescope. Uh, he did not invent it, but he used it for the first time uh, on the stars. Um, prior to that, it was used for military purposes so that they could see out at sea where their enemy ships were coming. And again, again all these telescopes at that time were very rudimentary. Um, but so, uh, Galileo turned it to the skies and discovered things that should not be there. For example, that the sun has spots on it. It didn't, according to Aristotle and Ptolemy, the sun is a perfect being, a perfect sphere. What are these spots, okay? Or the moons of Jupiter. And if you've never seen the moons of Jupiter, it's really a fascinating sight. You never forget it the first time. Um, and so he discovered that the moons of Jupiter go around Jupiter, which led him to follow Copernicus, who was about 100 years or 75 years ahead of him, that the sun is the center of this solar system. Actually, they didn't think of it as solar system. They thought of it as the universe. So. Mm -hmm. And then, so we always hear about the church responded in an anti-science type of way. Uh, they didn't put him to death, but he did go on house arrest. Is that correct? He was under house arrest eventually. Mm -hmm. um, but he continued his science under house arrest. It was a... A villa that he that um, I think it was a relative's villa, um, but he uh, at first the popes, one of the popes was very close with him and was one of his benefactors, um, but he was a rather cantankerous person too, <laughs> and so they uh, ran afoul of of um, of certain churchmen and condemned him um, for saying that no that the earth is not the center of the universe. Okay, but. Right. Are there any parallels between the solar eclipse and our faith? Can you draw anything from that? Well, just anything dealing with the night sky, and this is the big problem. I gave a homily a few years ago about one of the, the most insidious inventions that got us to turn away from God was the streetlight. Because <laughs> huh. we don't see we don't see the night sky. And if you've never seen a, a, a totally... Uh, dark sky, you're missing something. I mean, missing a great beauty that we have every night uh, to see it, all those stars. And uh, they just, it, it, it become overawed with God's creation. And we had that for, for countless generations up until, you know, 100, 100 years ago, 120 years ago. And so the, uh, some places are starting to rebel against the night sky, uh, darkness. I mean, the uh, light pollution, um, I just read an article in Eastern Oregon, three counties are trying to become recognized as part of the International Dark Sky Association. And so they're to be uh, certified as dark sky. And they're trying to uh, use that as uh, night tourism. Uh, Michigan, a couple of years ago, the Michigan Senate uh, had a month of, of uh, uh, darkness. They're trying to promote, uh, you know, uh, rebel against the light pollution. And I've done some things locally. I've given talks, um, about 10 t talks during my uh, uh, star parties. I talk about light pollution and the effects of uh, night lighting on animals, on birds, on 
insects on vegetation uh, and, it, uh, and on humans. So the, all these LED lights are not really good for us, okay? Right. And um, why? Well, <laughs> quickly, it's just these are actually electronic pulses that we're getting hit with. Okay, they're an incandescent bulb would burn continuously. LEDs are as electrical, electrical pulses, and it really is affecting our eyes and the blue light spectrum coming off all these monitors and TVs and cell phones and high pads, that affects us. It affects us uh, melatonin production. So this is why one of the, over the biggest over-the-counter things you could buy is sleep aids. Mm-hmm. You know, people are not sleeping. Well, it's because of all this light pollution that we have around us. So get back to God's creation. We don't appreciate God's creation when half of it is at night, okay? We don't see it. And so the moon is just another example of that. We don't take time to look at the moon uh, and uh, 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 to appreciate uh, the moon in our culture and how it affects us physically. Um, so yes, the moon is very important. Hmm. It is. It's very interesting what you're saying. Uh, yes, the lights, the LED lights. If you ever play back a video in slow motion that's filmed, which I've done a lot of times. I've filmed it in an LED lit place and I play it back in slow motion only to see a quick flicker. And so these are, they're flickering so fast, but our eyes just don't register it until it, the video. It, well, they do, down. but we don't, we don't see it. I mean, they, mm-hmm. our, our physical body does affect us. Right. I mean, it, our, the retinas are being pounced. You know? I see. And so it, it fatigues the eye. And, you know, so this is a, this is a new field that ophthalmologists are having to deal with. Very interesting. Yeah, I listen to a, a neuroscientist and ophthalmologist, Andrew Huberman, all the time. He has a podcast. He talks about that exact phenomenon. You spoke about melatonin production, lights, uh, especially these blue lights, probably especially ultra bright LED lights, effectively halt that melatonin production. And how many of us sit down uh, when we're going to sleep in our beds and look in the LED lit phone? You know, super bright. That can't be good for our sleep at all. Not at all. I, I am a. Uh, I confess, I take melatonin every night. <laughs> well, this is part of my talks when I give at a, a, a county park in Vermilion County. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked with the, the park naturalist. So she talks about light pollution on plants, animals, insects. And then I, I talk about effect on humans. And then we, of course, talk about blocking the stars. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you mean about uh, what kind of effects can the moon have on our bodies? Well, there's, there's a, first the tidal movement. And this is, I guess, some type, maybe speculative, but uh, um, what's the word in English? Um, what's the word that derives from the moon? Being, being crazy. Lunar. Yeah. Lunacy. Okay, that's what it oh. is. Lunacy. Okay. That's what comes from lunar. Okay. And um, so uh, it, our bodies are like, what do they say, 90% water. And so we are affected, you know, by the moon. Um, but how much, we don't know physically. Um, but I've heard that hospitals... During full moons, you know, at night they have more people come in to the emergency room. You know, more violence occurs around full moons. I remember talking in high school. Our teachers said that they swear that on nights or days where the moon is full, kids act especially crazy. And some of this could be urban myth or, sure. or you know, just myth in general. But uh, no, the moon affects us. Absolutely. Do you think it's interesting? Why? Why do you think that? When the Blessed Mother appears in various stories or um, whatever you want to call them, forgive me, when she has the twelve, the, the crown of 12 stars, do you think that's significant at all? Why stars? Why celestial bodies, massive burning balls of fire out in the cosmos? 
Well, the, of course, that imagery comes from chapter 12, again, of St. John the Apostle. He's on the island of Patmos. He sees heaven open. He sees the Ark of the Covenant. That's the last line of chapter 11. And then he sees the woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars. So um, right there, you know, it's uh, Our Lady is, and in, and in Catholic scripture, not scripture, but Catholic writings, the fathers of the church would refer to Mary as the moon and Jesus the sun. So she just reflects the sun. Um, usually come from the last line of John's gospel with Mary at the changing of the water into wine. She tells the servants, do whatever he tells you. And so Mary is not here for herself. She's here to reflect the sun. So that's the connection with Mary with the moon. Very interesting. Very interesting. Is there any reason that we call the sun the sun that you know of that has to do with Christ being the sun? Different um, spelling, of course, but different spelling. I, I never. I don't know that. Okay. Interesting. Um, I'm trying to think of what is a uh, uh, the sun in in Latin. Um, solar. I, I don't know. Some um, soul, right? Soul. Yeah. In S-O-L. Spanish, I know it's soul. It's, it's probably it's probably soul in Latin, but I'm not sure. Interesting. Okay, so. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in one second. But first, we have to say thank you to our beloved sponsors. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks. Others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. There's a new app, so Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free. New app, same quality programs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and I'm speaking with Father Timothy Supe about science, about space, about faith, or spaith, as I termed it in the beginning on accident, and uh, we're talking about the solar eclipse. Father, I would like to just ask a bit broader of a question about the church, our Catholic church, our Catholic faith, and our Catholic history, and science. Is it at all wrong to say that the Catholic church had a whole lot to say about the formation and the popularity of science and the scientific method and scientific study as we know it today. Absolutely. Like I was talking about with Aristotle earlier, um, the church has always appreciated God's creation and try to figure it out. Okay, try to figure it out. Many of the founders of the different sciences that we have today were Catholic priests. In fact, I'm holding a paper here uh, from the Vatican Observatory about all the Jesuits that have, um, there's like 19 asteroids that have Jesuit names after them. 
And it's because of all the Jesuits who are involved in astronomy um, and promoting science. Uh, there's a wonderful book that I came across about the founder of geology, who was a Catholic priest. And the book is titled Seashells on Mountaintops. Mm. Why are there seashells on mountaintops? That mm. was an ancient question, actually. They couldn't figure out how do the seashells get up there. So there was all kinds of speculation that they spontaneously just grew. And, and uh, anyhow, this uh, Catholic priest uh, started looking into sedimentary layers in a bay and started digging down and saw how the layers would change over time. And so that gave him the idea of eons, okay, eons, not just, you know, that the earth was around for 5,000 years. No, the earth was around for 5 million years. And so that's how he speculated then about uh, the different layers that you could see on mountains. Okay, if you ever go to Italy, uh, you'll see whole sections that are one color, and then the whole section is a different color, okay? Uh, Mont Blanc, it's called Mont Blanc for a reason. It's, it's white, okay? Um, where did, and You can see it being pushed up, and another area is being pushed down, and that's where the tectonic plates are meeting. And so that was done by a Catholic priest. And now you said geometry. Did you no, mean I, geology? I, mean, I meant geology. Okay, this whole time. Euclid is uh, usually associated with geometry, so... I see. Very interesting. Yeah. And not only that, but when it comes to academia and the formation of colleges and stuff, a lot of these first ones were Catholic funded, just completely Catholic universities, right? The first one usually associated with the University of Paris in the 1200s. Mm. And that's where the the Mendican friars of the different orders got together, Dominicans, Carmelites, Franciscans, and started a seminary. It started as a, a seminary formation. And... When uh, the French Revolution took, came and took it all over, now it's completely secular. Very interesting. Now, you got your degree in marketing. My undergrad. Your undergrad in marketing. Okay. Yeah, I have a master's degree in d Master's of Divinity and then a license in Sacred Theology. I see. Okay. Well, in, with what you know about marketing, how tell me why should people find it interesting and, and care about the solar eclipse that's coming up in 2024. Marketing. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I was a marketer and I wanted to prove the existence of God, you can't get a bigger wow factor than seeing the moon eclipse the sun and being in the shadow for three and a half to four minutes. Uh, to me, that's a wow. You know, you can't, that's the best billboard you could ever want. <laughs> okay. So just from a marketing point of view, this is God's creation. Rainbows are nice. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Tolar eclipse is, is what you want to see. Yeah. What does it feel like to be in that shadow, as, as you have been before, presumably, right? I was in the shadow in 2017 uh, down in uh, Andesank, just outside of Carpendale, Illinois. And it is, uh, uh, of course, the excitement of everybody seeing it is, is, is contagious. Uh, but, uh, again, it's just the, the, the wonder of being able to see uh, the moon with the, there's a picture here that I'm looking at with the glow around it. This is what you see, okay? And it's moving. It's not static like this picture. And so it is a, a very a vivid uh, example of God's creation. Again, that's it. You must see. So please do plan uh, wherever you can to go to the path of totality. 
where is that, Father? Well, it comes up. Funny you should ask. Mm-hmm. It comes up from Texas, uh, goes across southern Missouri, southern Illinois, goes through Indiana, through Indianapolis, uh, through Cleveland, Ohio, and then upstate New York, and then it exits northern Maine. And so the path of totality uh, is roughly 70 to 100 miles wide and travels about 2,500 miles an hour. Wow. So it's so, so it is an amazing thing. Tell us more about this this um, gathering that you will be having in 2024 on April 5th, 2024. Well, that begins on a Friday evening, and we're going to invite people to come to southern Indiana to the Mother of Redeemer Retreat Center uh, for talks on faith and science put on by legitimate professional astronomers, astrophysicists, then myself, I'm an amateur, okay? I'm just organizing it. Um, but so we have the, the director of the Vatican Observatory, Brother Guy Consomagno, the Jesuit brother, uh, Dr. Chris Graney, who works for the Vatican Observatory also, uh, Father James Krasinski, he's a diocesan priest from La Crosse, uh, but he also works with the Vatican Observatory. Uh, those are our three speakers there. Uh, we have two lay people, um, a parishioner's son, Father uh, Dr. Jeff Cookie, and uh, Dr. Brenda Fry from the University of Arizona. And they'll all be giving talks for this multi-day yes. retreat. Yes, begin Friday evening and then all day Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Uh, Monday morning, the eclipse will start about 1.30. Monday afternoon, I'll peak about 3 o'clock and then go till 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. 4.30. And how do people sign up for this? Well, I'll give you my email. This is uh, the best way. I'm, by the way, I'm from St. Mary's in Westville, Illinois. My email is fr, and then my last name, s-a-u-p-p-e, at gmail.com. Fair enough. So f-r-s-a-u-p-p-e, at gmail.com. And I'll send you the registration form, the flyer, and the schedule. Okay. Wonderful. Does this cost money to attend? No, it's all for it. No, yes, it does. <laughs> everything <laughs> Everything costs money. Uh, so the lion's share will go to the retreat center, uh, which is a, a fairly modern retreat center. Think of like a Holiday Inn um, um, setting, your room, you know, double, two queen-size beds, um, no TV, I don't think, um, no refrigerator. But it's, it's, a, it's nice. It's a nice setting. And um, so the, like 80% of your cost goes to just paying for the rooms. And then there is a cost for covering expenses that I'm going to be paying for flights and a little stipend to all the participants. So um, the total cost, um, if you're interested, Mm -hmm. is uh, $560. Okay. And so that's $390 for one person. That's for the hotel room for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then $170 is for... uh, for the talks themselves. And how many people are you expecting to come to this? The retreat center can hold four people to a room can hold a hundred people. So that's all we can do. The hotels in that area are already, already booked up. So you can't, you can't get anything. So I can, I am, I'm anticipating even if we don't sell out for the weekend, (laughs) We're going to sell out those other rooms. Right. We might even make a profit. I don't know. 
There we go. That's my marketing background. Well, you <laughs> you absolutely have some superstars that are going to be there. I mean, two men from the Vatican Observatory, I think, is a very cool selling point. Absolutely, yes. So what do they do at the Vatican Observatory, though? I mean, you think that since they are presumably priests, right? Well, they, one, the one is a brother. Okay. A Jesuit brother. But the majority of the, the, the staff there is are Jesuit priests both here in the United States and in the Vatican or outside of Rome, outside of the Vatican. And what do they do with their, with their days? I thought they were, uh, they do real days. science. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they have a, uh, in fact, we were going to invite two uh, Italian astronomers, Jesuits to come um, because they, they had an insight, uh, but it didn't, didn't work out, you know, logistically. Um, but they do real science. Brother Guy is a specialist in, in uh, meteorites. Okay. We talked about meteors. In the sky, well, they go through the atmosphere, they land on the earth. Well, that's that's part of our creation, and they can they can tell a lot from these meteorites about the early solar system. Okay, well, so if people are interested in this, they can email you at fr that's father fr supe s a u p p e at gmail dot com, and you will send them registration forms, flyers. And the cost and everything, and it is five sixty for the whole three day retreat for and one person. For yeah. one person, and you get some amazing seats to one of the most incredible cosmic things you can ever witness as a human being. Absolutely, and we please get the word out because we don't we're not advertising as such, um, so we're we're relying on word of mouth. So if you know of anybody who'll be interested in attending, please tell them about uh, about this event. Very good. Father, it's been an incredible time talking to you today. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap things up? Well, please pray. <laughs> pray for good weather. That's right. um, we, of course, that's the, the, the bane of astronomy. Astronomers is uh, bad weather. and um, But it happens. You can't stop it. It's part of God's creation. Uh, it rains on the good and bad, as, as, as uh, Jesus says. And uh, so, But please pray for good weather, for at least for April 8th. Just for two hours. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. That was Father Timothy Supe with the solar eclipse gathering that he's going to be hosting on April the 5th, 2024. It's really an incredible thing. And we sincerely thank you for your time, Father. And I want to invite you to come to do a live broadcast that day during the eclipse. I think it'll be cool. That's right. That that would be pretty amazing, no doubt about it. And to everyone listening, thank you for listening. Please continue to support Catholic Spirit Radio. Consider going to this retreat. And as always, God bless and have a great week. You've been listening to Catholic Conversations. Download our podcasts at catholicspiritradio.com. 